What if I told you loving yourself could change your life? It can, and I know from experience. I'm Lauren, and this is the Love Yourself Inside Out podcast. Everyone is worthy of self-love and guilty of letting others develop narratives about you. It's time to shut that down and own your narrative. Let's cut out the negativity and let yourself shine. It's never too late to love yourself inside out. Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of the Love Yourself Inside Out podcast. I have another surprise for you today. It is the fabulous guest, Michelle. And you have heard Michelle on this podcast before, but she's been talking strictly about pageants and pageant coaching and um, my going through the pageant. So this is going to be all about her and how she's doing self-love for herself, but also helping all these other women in the different ways that she's moving in this world. So here's a little intro on Michelle so you get to know her a little better than you did before. To say Michelle wears many hats is an understatement. She's a retired professional ballroom dancer, pageant coach, yoga instructor, bikini competitor, foster dog and cat mom, and a college professor. This last semester at Sam Houston State University, she taught five classes, including exercise physiology, exercise prescription, public health, advanced topics of exercise, physiology, and foundations of kinesiology. Michelle loves what she does because she truly feels like she's making an impact through her teaching. Whether it's college students or pageant contestants, she's pouring her whole heart into sharing her knowledge. Knowledge is power. And sharing that power with others is how we all grow stronger and more confident. And that is from Michelle. Wonderful quote. Hey, Michelle, say hello to everyone. Hello, hello. How's it going? Good. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited that you are on this podcast and we're talking about everything that you're doing this time because I have also always been in awe of what you've done from the first time that we you know, connected back, well, I don't know, over a year ago now. Um, But from that first time we connected, I was just so impressed with everything that you did, but yet the energy you still invested when we were on the phone. And I felt like, wow, she really cares about me and all of that. So can you give me a little insight into like what's going on in your world right now and what you're doing in all the spaces? Because there's some exciting stuff coming up for you. Yes. Um, when you were just reading that list, I was like, man, I'm tired just hearing that. Um, <laughs> I know, right? I, I love to be busy if you can't tell. Uh, but yeah, the biggest thing coming up is in exactly eight days, I will be stepping on stage for my very first NPC uh, bikini competition. So that is a journey that I started in May of 2022. It's just something that I've always wanted to do, kind of been on that bucket list and found a coach and started working really hard towards that goal, set this goal for myself. And, you know, regardless of whatever happens in eight days, I have just been so thrilled by this journey. It's been mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, such an amazing ride. And I think the culmination of that is just going to be stepping on stage in eight days. So that's the biggest thing I have coming up at the moment. So cannot wait for that. Yeah. Eight days. I mean, that is crazy. It is so quick. But for people who don't understand what goes into a fitness competition, can you give them a little insight into like what this prep actually means? 
Oh, absolutely. So there are standards that they are looking for on stage. And so there's five criteria that bikini competitors have to fit. So essentially, if you think about when you go to the store and you buy an outfit and it needs a little bit of tailoring to basically fit you perfectly, that's essentially what you're trying to do to the human body to fit these standards. So prep is a super grueling process of not only just building muscle mass so that you fit those standards, but then leaning out your body significantly so that you can actually see that muscle mass on your frame. So it is a roller coaster ride of eat a ton of food, bulk up a little bit. And then towards the end of it, it is basically don't eat (laughs) any food and then do a lot of cardio so that we can see the culmination of that hard work. So yeah, it's basically just tailoring your body so that you actually fit those, those critiques, those standards on stage. Wow. Yeah. And I saw something on your social today about veins are starting to show. Is that something that's important in this? No, not necessarily. It's just so the, obviously the leaner you get, the more vascular you're going to get because you can see your veins. So it's just, it's a weird, gross kind of thing. So I feel like I I have spider webs on my arms, but it's, it's cool to be getting to that point. Just so that really shows you that you're getting down to the leanness that you need on stage. But I will preface this with being this lean is not healthy in any way, shape or form. It is for a specific date in mind. So there's a big difference between lifestyle lean and stage lean. So I don't want anyone to think that stage lean is necessarily a healthy thing. So that's coming from the college professor and me. Only do this if you're under supervision of someone who's done this before and then know that you immediately are going to have to get yourself out of this. Oh, that's a super great point because... That is just so important to know, especially with everything going on in society and, you know, body image issues, all of it. So I'm glad that you highlighted that point. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't want anyone to think that this is a a physique that can be attainable all year long. It is for a specific goal. It's for a specific date. And yeah, you will definitely have to do what they call a reverse diet out of it and do it healthily. And again, under supervision of a nutritionist. Yeah, that makes total sense because you've been saying like you've totally had to change how you're eating even, right? Like I know you've always been aware of food and like you you know things about nutrition, but didn't you say that the diet had to change a lot just even more so than you were already doing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You are tracking each and every single thing that you're putting into your body. You're doing this based off macros. I, what I really like about the coach I have in particular right now is that we do what's called flexible dieting. So you can eat whatever foods you want as long as it fits into those specific macros. So let's say, you know, I'm getting 130 grams of protein a day that just really, I can get it however I want to, as long as it fits within those specific macros. So it's not super, super strict as far as the food choices go, but it just has to be super strict as far as the amount goes. So yeah, I have never in my life weighed my food or measured my food. I have my little food scale and it's definitely changes your mindset about each and everything that you're putting into your body throughout the day. Yeah. I mean, it's super fascinating just watching your stories and um, the posts that you've been making. It's so interesting to see how it's all working and the transformation that you've had getting into this competition has been so fun to watch. I mean, it's very inspiring and like you have just met, it's crazy to see the changes that have happened from your before and after pictures. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of work, a lot of cardio. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to hear how everything went. And guys, by the time that this podcast is live, you will be able to go to her 
social and find out exactly how she did um, and what she looked like that day, because I will tag all of that for you. And also the competition will have been passed by the time this goes live. But Michelle, why did you decide to enter this journey of a fitness competition? You know, um, like I mentioned earlier, it's just something I've always kind of wanted to do uh, because I love challenging myself. I think that's actually part of like a self-love journey for me is I feel like each and every day that I challenge myself, I become a better person. So I love to set goals for myself. So whether it was when I was competing with my husband and we were setting goals as far as dance competitions go or, you know, setting goals for my pageant contestants, I too love to have these individual goals for myself. And so this was just something that I wanted to do. I set that goal for myself and, you know, here we are as part of the journey because I honestly wanted to see how mentally strong I could be because everything I was reading was, you know, physically, of course, it's a pretty tough go, but, but over anything, it is truly a mental competition because you have to challenge yourself and wake yourself up every day on little food to get up and go to the gym. And so, yeah, I just really wanted to challenge myself. And that is quite an awesome challenge. So cool. I'm going to change topics a little bit to something I actually just thought of that was not in your bio, which it should have been, but you are into doing things acting and you have been on camera before. In fact, I have watched you in a Christmas movie, which Ah. is so fun to see (laughs) because uh, what year was that done? The one I'm thinking of. A dog walker's Christmas tale. If I'm not mistaken, I think that was 2016 or Right. So way before I knew you. So it was so fun to see you in that light. But how did you get into acting? And like, what does that bring to your life? So I love the spotlight and I love attention. I think that also kind of goes hand in hand with the dancing and with being on stage for the bikini competition. But I have I've always wanted to pursue acting. And so that's something I always kind of have on the back burner. And so I do have a, an agent here in Houston. Unfortunately, there's just not a lot of work in Houston. Um, but of course, I'm grateful any and every opportunity I get to be in anything. But um, yeah, that that was quite a long time ago. I remember reading the breakdown and seeing the the script for this. And here's a funny story. So when you go into auditions, they can't ask you how old you are. So they'll just put down and like the character breakdown, like this character is between the ages of like 17 to like 23. Um, but you obviously just submit your headshot. And if they want you, they call you in. And so in that movie in particular, um, they were looking for younger people because the character is supposed to be 17. So I submitted mm-hmm. my headshot. I got called in. I went to the audition. It was actually in Austin. Uh, I got cast in the movie and uh, we're on the first day of set. And basically the characters I were with were like, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 27. Um, and I was cast to play 17 and they were actually 17. So if you see the movie, <laughs> um, they definitely dressed me down to look super, super young. But yeah, I was about 10 years older than the girls I was playing with. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't realize that, but mm-hmm. you, pu- you pu- pulled it off well. Like, I mean, it was a good um, movie to watch. It's super cute. And the role that you played was a lot of fun just to watch. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was definitely fun. And I think it's on Netflix now or Hulu something. I don't know. I see it every Christmas and it's so exciting just to see. I mean, I meant it for just a little bit, but it's still exciting to see. Yeah, it was a good watch. So when the holiday movies are out, Go and check that for that one, A Dog Walker's Christmas, because it is just a good, feel-good movie. And Michelle is in it, and it's so fun to watch her in that way. So you mentioned that you do 
you're a professor and you teach. How did you get into becoming a professor and like why work with college students? So funny enough, um, I actually went to school later in life. I was already married when I was given the opportunity to go to school. And I really didn't know what I wanted to study at the time, but I was already doing personal training and I was a yoga instructor. And so I kind of fell into kinesiology, which is, of course, a study of human movement. And I'm really into health and fitness. I was like, you know what? This would be really fascinating to learn about. So I went and I got my bachelor's. And while I was getting my bachelor's, I was like, you know, I'm really smart <laughs> and I really like this. So I want to continue. And I got my master's. And while I was in the middle of going to school, I actually had the opportunity to start teaching at Lone Star College because at the time for their face-to-face physical ed classes, you only needed um, certifications and a bachelor's. And I didn't have my bachelor's yet, but they allowed me to go to school. While I was actively teaching. So I kind of just fell into it and knew that that's something that I wanted to do because I really feel like I'm making a difference with these students because who wants to take PE, right? You're a college kid. You, um, you think, you know, everything taking PE is like the last thing that you want to do, but of course it's a required credit anytime you're getting a bachelor's. And so I just kind of took it upon myself. I found it really fun to make these kids love PE. And of course there were some that never came through, but a lot of people came up to me after the semester, like, you know what, this actually turned out to be my favorite class because you made it fun because I want them to continue this lifelong love of working out, of fitness, of nutrition, of fueling their bodies correctly. So I just took it as a personal challenge of I want you to love this so that when you leave here and you're not required to work out or give me workout logs or give me nutrition journals, that you're still continuing to do this. So yeah, teaching college kids is challenging because again, they think they know everything. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yes. And they think that they're full-fledged adults. uh, But it's, it's amazing when you can really, really make that connection. So I taught at Lone Star for 2015 till about 2020. And then of course, COVID and all that good stuff. And then um, I just started teaching at Sam Houston State University last semester. So that's actually where I got my bachelor's and my master's. So I kind of always wanted to go back and kind of pay it forward. And so it's so exciting actually to be a peer amongst some of my favorite professors. So now I get to sit in with them and I'm just like, oh, I remember when you taught me this and now I'm taking what you taught me and I'm passing that on to the next generation. So I love that it's come full circle. Yeah, I was going to say that is totally a full circle moment. And college professors can be people who leave these marks like forever on your life. Um, So it is very neat that you are investing in college students and, you know, shaping their future. And I did when I was in college, too, I did take some of those physical education classes. Um, I took step, I swam and I ran. So (laughs) I did quite the gamut, but those were some of the best classes I could take to get like a break from studying and just invest in myself. Absolutely. Do you you find that that's a reason that they might take them? Like, do people ever take more or anything because they're trying to invest more in themselves? Do you think that's part of it? I think it depends. So, you know, when I taught the actual like physical ed classes and they had to do like yoga or weight training and all that, um, that, that would be more along those lines. But now at Sam Houston, I'm teaching more of like the advanced stuff, like when they've actually taken all those beginners. So now I'm more so with like the juniors and seniors of people who've like committed to Mm. this journey. So, yeah, but 
with the movement and the feeling good, I always try to incorporate that into my classes because I was a student too. I don't want to sit and just listen to a professor lecture at me for an hour and a half. I liked it when my professors got me super involved. And so, I mean, with, cause we're studying human movement, like we're not just necessarily sitting there learning about what's happening. I make them get up and make them practice different things that we're talking about. Cause I figured the more they move, the more adrenaline they get, the more excited they're in class. So I definitely try to, even in the advanced topic classes, make them still get a little bit physical because that's what their love is. That's why I took it. I wanted to be physical and I wanted to learn about movement. So, yeah, that's definitely great lessons to learn and things that apply all throughout life. And I believe totally in a self-love journey too, when you're figuring out how you like to move, how, how to keep yourself going, how to break that mental space. Sometimes we all get caught in just great to shake things up and give yourself a break and just appreciate you know, how you're moving through the day. Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite things to tell my students when they would grumble, is just like, instead of saying I have to do this, change the language to I get to do this. So I get to work out because my body is healthy enough to move can completely change the way that you view this. So I don't have to eat healthy. I choose to eat healthy because it makes me feel good. So if you can just change the language surrounding all of this, I think it really starts to make you feel like, oh, I appreciate that I'm able to. Yes, such a positive mindset. And this is an excellent segue, actually, over to your pageant side of life where you are a pageant coach and mentor. I mean, more mentor than coach, I would say, at least in my case, because that same way that you just talked about flipping the script and being positive in how you're saying things and changing that narrative for yourself. I mean, you did wonders with me and how I would think about myself and like getting up on stage for the first time. So if you could just share, how did you get into pageantry and becoming ultimately a coach for females who are looking to, you know, step on stage and just stand in their power? Absolutely. So my mom competed in pageants when she was younger. And it's something that she always encouraged me to do because she said, you know, it gave her some more confidence. She made lifelong friends, et cetera. But when I was younger, I really wasn't interested in it. And then she finally convinced me to do a pageant in 2004. So we invested in a pageant coach who really changed my life, essentially like what you were just talking about. She was a mentor to me when I was walking in heels for the first time and feeling good about myself, I was like, oh, this this is what they're talking about when they talk about the magic of pageants and what it brings to you. So competed in my first pageant in 2004. Miss Tomball uh, won that one, which was just an amazing experience. Got to work in the community for a year. Got to be a role model to girls my age. And then I competed in a few more. I was Texas Teen International in 2006. And then when I had that state title, I started getting all of these girls sending me messages. And by the way, I'm going to show my age through MySpace because that was <laughs> that was the social media platform at the time, um, yes. asking me, like, what did you do? How did you get here? And so I started getting all these questions and I started answering them back. And then I had some local girls that were like, hey, do you think you could help teach me how to walk? And I was like, well, I had such a fun time with my coach. Why don't I see if I can remember all these things that she taught me and pass them on to you? And so it just kind of organically started from people reaching out to me and wanting advice. You know, I started you know, just with local girls. And then I started realizing that I have such a passion for helping them and then word of mouth. And it just started picking up and picking up. And yeah, I've been coaching now since 2009. So 
it's been it's been an amazing journey. And I coach girls from all ages, from little ones, of course, up to the misses division and beyond. And I I just love making an impact with each and every client that I have because there is such a magic in standing in your confidence and realizing your potential and you know, loving yourself for like I talked about earlier, challenging yourself the occasion of just being on stage. So I think it's just been quite an amazing journey and I'm really blessed to be able to do what I love. Yes. And you are definitely good at it. Like you were able to just really support somebody going through that journey because they're not always coming to you with all the confidence, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure some are, but do you have any stories that stand out in your mind of like a transformation or something that just stuck out to you is like, wow, I, I'm so glad I was part of that moment. Uh, can we talk about you, Mrs. F. Oh. Ambassador? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> we can, but I'm sure you have others too. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, when you talked about the amazing transformation, it's going to be you. I mean, I still remember our first Zoom call and us talking about what would this journey look like for you if you decided to take this journey. And I mean, you took it and ran with it. I mean, what we're doing right now has meta as it is to say was a brainchild from that conversation of like, what is your platform? What do you want to do with it? And here you are. Congrats again on an anniversary a year later with this amazing platform that started because of a pageantry. But I mean, just seeing you and your social media journey and, you know, you in person, like you have truly taken what pageantry stands for and just ran with it. Like you, you are a great role model to everyone who doesn't feel like they could compete in pageants to look at this. I am now Mrs. Epic ambassador. So yeah, I think you're one of my most inspirational transformative journeys. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Not where I thought that answer was going to (laughs) go, but um, nonetheless, yes. And I am so thankful that we crossed paths because I don't know that if I had had somebody else, I would have ended up in the same place because I think I did need a lot of uh, encouragement at first because I had a lot of self doubt and, you know, that kind of stuff. But you really helped me reshape and form and think how, you know, like, nope, I am qualified to do this. And even though I can't walk in those heels, I can eventually just absolutely. Keep and that's one of the, that's a testament to you too. Like you never gave up. Like, I remember we, we put some hard turns in there and you're like, nope, I'm going to get it. I was like, are you sure? And you were like, I'm going to do it. So that's a testament to your journey, to your dedication, to your discipline. So very proud of you. Well, thank you. And so I guess, tell me a little bit more about like, I know you foster a lot of animals and you have throughout the years, like how does that play into, you know, your life and like giving you, I don't know, just like fulfilling your life and filling it out. Like what, what kind of joy do you get from something like that? And why did you get involved in doing that? That is a great question. So I am one of those people that I feel like if you get to complain, it's because you're doing something about it. Meaning I was on all of these Facebook pages and I kept seeing all of these notifications about all these shelters being incredibly full. And especially in Houston, we are euthanizing animals daily because we just don't have enough shelter space. And so I remember, I believe we got our first foster dog. I'm going to say about 2017. I was just so, I was like, oh my gosh, these people and these dogs and I can't stay in humanity and I can't believe what we're doing. And I was like, I'm not doing anything about it. Why am I complaining? Like until Mm -hmm. I do something about it, I don't get the right to complain. So talk to my husband about it. And 
we uh, signed up to be fosters first through a rescue organization here in Houston called Rescued Pets Movement. And what they do is they post the list of basically youth dogs every single day on a Facebook page. And if you're able to foster, uh, you just say, hey, I'll take this dog. And what they do is they network this dog out through multitudes of rescue networks um, up north. So because Houston has such an overpopulation issue, they decided that they're going to get these dogs up into shelters like in Colorado, Wisconsin, Canada, places that don't have the overpopulation issue that we do. And so what they do once you, the dog has a foster, they network it out. Once it's tagged by a rescue organization, you get what's called a transport date. And so we would go get the dog um, from the shelter and then we would bring it home. They would provide all of the supplies for us. And then they would let us know like, hey, your dog's going to leave on transport in three weeks. They're going to this rescue organization. And you would basically just teach the animal how to be a great pet because the better the animal you know, behaved, the quicker it was going to get adopted up there. So we would always call it like teaching a dog how to dog. So a lot of these animals came from very unfortunate situations or they were strays. So we bring them into our home and we would start leash training them and potty training them and integrating them into our pack. Cause we of course have two dogs and five cats, um, making sure they were cat friendly, dog friendly. So that when those mm-hmm. sweet little pups went up North, we could, you know, we could give the rescue organization pictures or videos of them interacting with our animals because when the animals were proven to be dog or cat friendly, they got adopted much quicker. And I tell you what, it was, it was an amazing experience with that organization because we, you you got to see the animal's journey as they went up north and then following them on social media when they finally got adopted. And so, I mean, f- we've fostered technically so far 55 dogs and three cats. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And I did not realize that was yeah, that many. Yeah, it's been that many. Um, we can't do it all the time just based on kind of work schedules and dealing with our own pack. But um, our 55th foster dog was adopted out in April and she was a local adoption out. We did that through tiny paws, but we're always just trying to make a little difference. And I mean, in the grand scheme of things, 55 dogs is not even a dent in the hundreds of dogs that are euthanized today. But I always tell people for those 55 dogs, that's their life. So yes. then of course there's always, oh, I couldn't foster because, oh, I'd keep them all. And I would always say like, well, if I kept the first one, then the other 54 wouldn't be here. So I I knew that my loving them was giving them up to be adopted by someone else. Oh, that's such a great story though. I did not realize it had been that long or that many, but to invest in animals in that way, mm-hmm. it's just so sweet. It, they're transforming. It maybe I just like transforming things or people. I, because, do. I think <laughs> you do. <laughs> I mean, I remember, I, I'm just thinking about this one little dog that we had and you could tell that this little girl had been bred to death. Like, I mean, unfortunately, it seemed like that's all her life had been. And we had gotten her off the youth list at Bark. And I mean, nipples hanging down to the floor, zero oh. socialization skills. And this dog continuously would like pee on herself in a kennel. And that's not typical normal behavior. Like they, they don't want to be in their mess, but I realized like she was kept in a breeding cage her entire, that's all she knew. And so it broke my heart and I'll never forget this little dog. Um, because she was one of the hardest, the hardest cases as far as potty training went, because she just did, she literally had, I don't even think this dog had been on grass to pee before. And we had her for about four weeks. And I still remember that first time she peed outside, like I cried, we gave her treats, like, and the transformation in this dog in four weeks from just like not wanting to leave the kennel and peeing on herself to like 
going outside, becoming perfectly potty trained, sleeping in bed with us, going on walks with us. Like all she needed was that just little bit of motivation and encouragement and support and care. And oh my goodness, I just seeing how much her life changed just from a little bit of love was just transformative. So that is so sweet. Oh my goodness. Like it just, it's so exciting to hear that and like that you took the time for, you know, to help her like that, because if you've adopted an animal before and they've had like a rough past, you can kind of imagine those little moments where it's like they do something that's so what you would assume would be normal or standard. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they haven't before there's such joy that comes from something like that. When you get that moment with them where you're like, Oh my gosh, they just realized it's okay to do this. Yes. And when they start to accept your love and like run and jump in bed with you and you're like, this is, this is what your life should have been from the start. And I'm so sorry that humans failed you. So yeah, yeah, each each and every dog that we foster and that gets adopted out, I cry. But I, I always, again, I have these little sayings. I'm like, I my heart breaks a little bit so that theirs never has to break again. And I'm totally fine with that. For Since we're talking about this real quick, like if somebody wanted to adopt or get into fostering, like are there certain types of sel- shelters or organizations they should look for if they're trying to make a move in that area? Absolutely. Yeah. So we were with a kind of a blanket organization, but there are special organizations too. Like maybe if you know that maybe all you can handle in your apartment or your house is a little dog. For example, there's a great organization here in Houston called Tiny Paws. And so they basically adopt out dogs under 20 pounds. So you could definitely reach out to them sign up to be a foster. They'll connect you with a dog in a shelter. You would go pull it. And the great thing about fostering is all supplies are paid for. So this is nothing out of your own pocket. So if they need vet care, if they need food, if they need, you know, blankets, toys, treats, any of that, it is provided for you. So literally the only thing you're giving up is just some of your time, which is just to love on an animal that needs it. So I would look up maybe breed specific rescues. If you're super interested, we really don't care. We've literally had chihuahuas up to 120 pound mastiffs. So, oh yeah. Yeah. I so we've had different. everything. I just didn't care as long as it was a dog in need and it fit our time schedule of when I could look at the, the schedule of dogs that needed help. We just were like, all right, let's do it. That's so cool. No, that's great advice. Just because some people might be thinking right now, like, okay, you know, I'm interested in fostering or adopting. And so it's great to give tips when you can, because animals need homes and they bring such joy if you can have one, you know, I don't know. I love it. I love having a kid. Speaking of, so I'm going to switch back to this whole transformation theme that we've identified that you have (laughs) your social media for sure, especially like on the pageant side um, has I would say changed in the recent, like you were doing a lot more with series and answering questions and um, putting together like little clips of how to do things correctly. Like where did that come from? And like, I guess like what inspired you to start sharing and making it more public for everyone? So 
I, I just came to the point where I was like, I, I want to share this on a broader level. So I hadn't actually separated out my like personal social media to more professional social media ever. And so I just came to a point where I was like, I think it'd be a little bit better if I separate it because people follow me for different reasons, um, you know, maybe for the fitness side or for, especially when Kevin and I were dancing professionally, mm-hmm. so they weren't necessarily interested in hearing about all the pageant tips and tricks. So I wanted to separate that to kind of create a, a different space for people that were solely interested in that. And uh, I'm honestly just trying to get better at it. So trying to come up with things that are super engaging, like the little how-to videos and answering the questions. Um, Because I'm not that great at social media. It takes a lot of brain power, as you know. Um, It does. (laughs) It does. And I'm not the best at like taking pictures and videos because I like to live in the moment. And so, you know, I'm working with these pageant contestants and I'll teach for like seven, eight hours a day. And then I'm like, I never took a single video or picture of anybody because I just, I like to be present and I forget that that's a thing that, you know, people want to see behind the scenes because I just don't like to take time away from what I'm giving to my girls. So it's, mm-hmm. it's finding, it's finding that balance of, of making sure that it's accessible to the public who wants to see it, but also making sure, you know, I'm investing in my girls and I'm always trying to give out, you know, just, just a little bit of information that makes sense to people who follow me there. But also I don't want to give away all my secrets because then, yes. you know, I want my clients to do well. So. <laughs> no, but what you've been putting out has been so cool to watch because it's like, you're giving a little insight I think for somebody who's like afraid or doesn't quite understand, it's perfect because it gives enough information to where you're like, okay, I think I'm getting the beginning. Um, You know, maybe I should contact you more, but it's just been fun to watch because the confidence that comes through when you're doing these things and like what I've been seeing, it's just, I don't know. I just saw a different level of like social media stuff going on. And so I thought it was really fun to watch the change from, what you were posting to like, you know, the videos and everything. Um, so I'm glad you're investing time in it because I'm enjoying watching all of it. Well, thank you. So, okay. Self-love is like the underlying theme of all this. And we talked about that you really like transformations, but what do you do just, you know, to give yourself a little kind of self-love experience or like a break from the crazy busy schedule you have going on like what is it that is your go-to like for example some people like reading they like walking outside like what do you do so my self-love comes in the form of yoga like you mentioned in the in the uh intro, I I teach yoga and mindful breathing is a huge thing for me. So if I'm having like a crazy, busy, stressful day, or I've just gotten done with a super hard workout and I just kind of need to like recenter myself, I will just throw a yoga mat in the middle of the gym and just put on some yoga music and just literally start to breathe and just calm down my heart rate because it also kind of calms down your adrenal glands. So yoga is transformation. I actually taught yoga this morning and I came home with the biggest smile on my face. And my husband was like, did something happen in yoga? I was like, no, it just felt so good. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I love, I love leading people through that experience. And, um, yeah, basically when you're in yoga, you only are focusing on yourself and you're breathing for an hour and the outside world doesn't exist. And so all these other obligations and crazy things that I do don't exist for that hour. And it is literally just about focusing on the here and the now and just being present with yourself. So that would definitely be my self-love to myself is is teaching yoga. That is a great one. And still at the same time, you're giving back to others. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Why you're teaching yoga. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, all right. So if you were to frame up what your self-love point of view is like, what do you view self-love and like, why do you think it's so important for everyone to practice? I truly believe that self-love is a choice that you make every single day. So you wake up and you appreciate the fact that you have woken up. You know, if you approach life with an attitude of gratitude, I think it will take you so far. And for anyone that, you know, is experiencing maybe some negativity or, you know, they're not necessarily loving that self today, just start with being grateful for one thing. And I think that starts to just open up your eyes. Like I had mentioned, is changing the narrative as far as like, I have to do this to I get to do this. So I truly believe having just utmost gratitude for each and everything that you're able to do will really transform you. But yeah, self-love is, is a choice you make every single day. Yeah, that is so true. And no two days are the same. So you have to love the way you are in those moments. And the here and the now, absolutely. All right, Michelle, is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners before we wrap this up and let them know where they can continue to follow you? Sure. Um, If I could just wrap all of this up, like I talked about attitude of gratitude, my very favorite quote ever is your attitude determines your altitude. So, you know, whatever life throws your way, whatever journey that you're on, your attitude truly will take you as far as you want it to go. So yeah, whether it's pageant coaching, whether it's getting an A in my ex-phys class, whether it's coming into yoga, uh, whatever it is, I truly believe it's all about your perspective on it. Ooh, I love that. That is a great quote. I have not heard that before. So I'm so glad that you shared that. And do you want to let them know where they can find you on socials, you know, wherever websites, please share it all. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are interested in kind of following my fitness journey, um, my pageant, or sorry, my fitness journey, my personal Instagram is Michelle Ellen Camerata. So that's where I post a lot of my fitness stuff and behind the scenes. If you want to follow my pageant coaching, that's going to be pageant coaching by Michelle on Instagram as well. I'm on Facebook as Michelle Camerata, and that's about all the social media I can handle. So it's just going to be Facebook and Instagram. (laughs) No, that is absolutely perfect. And everyone, I will link that in the show notes so you can go ahead and click there. Also, if you're following me on Instagram, I do interact with both of her accounts so you can find them in the ones that I am following. Michelle, thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure to be here again. Yes, it's so much fun and I can't wait to see you when we have another in-person practice coming up later this summer. It will be so great. Yes. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in this week. It has been another fabulous interview and just so much good when we hear about other people's self-love point of views, because as we know, no self-love journey is the same and everything you do is just perfect the way you're doing it. So shine bright this week and tune in again next week. That was your weekly dose of self-love with me, Lauren. Want more? Tune in next week and connect with me on Instagram at Mrs. Lauren Elizabeth Jones. Send me a DM. Let me know what you want to hear, what you think, and we'll talk about it all. Join me on the next Love Yourself Inside Out podcast.